Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is May 6th. In 1937, the airship Hindenburg, the largest dirigible ever built in the pride of the Nazi Germany, burst into flames upon touching its mooring mast in Lakehurst, New Jersey, killing 36 passengers and crew members. Frenchman Henry Giffard constructed the first successful airship in 1852. His hydrogen-filled blimp carried a three-horsepower steam engine that turned a large propeller and flew at a speed of six miles per hour. This rigid airship, often known as a Zeppelin, after the name of its innovator, Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin, was developed by the Germans in the late 19th century. Unlike French airships, the German ships had a light framework of metal girders that protected a gas-filled interior. However, like Giffard's airship, they were lifted by highly flammable hydrogen gas and vulnerable to explosion. Large enough to carry substantial numbers of passengers, one of the most famous rigid airships was the Graf Zeppelin, a dirigible that traveled around the world in 1929. In the 1930s, the Graf Zeppelin pioneered the first transatlantic air service leading to the construction of the Hindenburg, a larger passenger airship. On May 3rd, the Hindenburg left Frankfurt, Germany for a journey across the Atlantic to Lakehurst Navy Air Base. Stretching 804 feet from stern to bow, it carried 36 passengers and a crew of 61. While attempting to moor at Lakehurst, the airship suddenly burst into flames, probably after a spark ignited its hydrogen core. Rapidly falling 200 feet to the ground, the hull of the airship incinerated within seconds. 13 passengers, 21 crewmen, and one civilian member of the ground crew lost their lives, and most of the survivors subs- suffered substantial injuries. Radio announcer Herb Morrison, who came to Lakehurst to re- record a routine voiceover for an NBC newsreel, immortalized the Hindenburg disaster in a famous on-the-scene description in which he emotionally, de- emotionally declared, Oh, the humanity. The recording of Morrison's commentary was immediately flown to New York, where it was aired as part of America's first coast-to-coast radio news broadcast. Lighter-than-air passenger travel rapidly fell out of favor after the Hindenburg disaster, and no rigid airships survived World War II. In 1954, the announcer at the Oxford University Cinder Track in England calmly gave the placings in one-mile race, and then started to announce the winning time, beginning with the word three. The small crowd erupted in delirious excitement, the rest of the announcement went unheard, and Roger Bannister became an instant legend as the first man to run the one mile faster than four minutes. His three minutes, 59.4 seconds that evening, is often cited as one one of the seminal moments in the world of sports. It has become a symbol of human achievement on the same level as the conquest of Mount Everest the previous year. It took three men to make that historic record. Bannister and Chris Chataway, formerly Oxford students, and Chris Brasher, formerly a Cambridge University, were representing the English Amateur Athletic Association in the annual meet against Oxford and chose that obscure opportunity for a planned attack on the elusive four-minute barrier. There was an urgency. The world had talked of sub-four since the heady days when the mile of the century races in 1930s enraptured huge crowds, and Americans Glenn Cunningham and Bill Bonthron, New Zealander Jack Lovelock, and England's Sidney Wooderson progressively cut the mile in 1,500-meter records to 406.4 and 347.8, respectively. During the war years, Swedes Arnie Anderson and Gundar Haig 
kept the sub-4 passion alive, leaving the mile record at 401.4. Since 1945, that time had never been threatened. Four minutes was regarded as the impossible barrier beyond human reach, but suddenly in December of 1952, the little-known John Landy reignited the flame by running a 402.1 in the early Australian summer. The next month, Landy stayed under sub-4 pace until the final bend, ending that one at 402.8, leaving the Aussie crowd beating the air in disappointment. In the northern spring of 1953, the assault began in earnest. Bannister, having missed an Olympic medal in 1952, ran 403.6, glimpsing his destiny. Kansas University's West Santee seized the initiative with a 402.4. Bannister hit back with a 402.0. And now forgotten, SUNY Carlson brought Sweden back into the race with a 404.4. The barrier stood. And it survived through another Australian summer as Landy tried again and again from December 1953 to April 1954. He got down to 402. He had to do it on a grass track and in hot, windy conditions. In his last attempt in Australia, he trod on a football stud and ran most of the race with its nails with nails in the soles of his foot. That day he ran a 402.6. In the American indoor season, Santee had done exactly that as a relay leg. That same April, Santee had to run three events for Kansas against University of California at Berkeley. He ran the 880 and 151, the mile and 405, and a 440-yard relay leg in 48 seconds. If Sandy had raced only the mile that day, would he have celebrated his 67th anniversary on April 10th instead? But it was on that day, on May 6, 1954, that the place in history was seized by Bannister. The 25-year-old medical student was a man of detail who had sharpened his spikes on a grindstone that morning in preparation for the coarse cinders of the track. A man of planning paced for the first two laps by Brasher and the third lap by Chataway, and a man of suppression, suppressed passion who released his surging sprint at exactly the right moment on the last lap to carry him through the once impregnable barrier and into mortal, immortality. In 1910, King Edward VII died today. Edward was the King of Great Britain from 1901 to 1910, having been heir to Victoria for nearly 60 years. Edward was born on November 9, 1841 in London, the eldest son of Victoria and her prince consort Albert. He was subjected to a strict regime from an early age as his parents were keen to ensure he was prepared to rule. He attended both Oxford and Cambridge and briefly joined the army. A liaison with an actress caused a considerable scandal and Prince Albert visited his son to reprimand him. Albert died two weeks later and Victoria held her son partly responsible for the death of his father. Victoria withdrew from almost completely from public life and Edward was allowed to represent her at state occasions, but given almost no chance to participate in affairs of the state. He became a leader of London society, spending his time eating, drinking, gambling, and shooting, and watching, racing, and sailing. In 1863, he married Princess Alexandra of Denmark, and they had six children, five of whom survived to adulthood. Edward also had a series of long-term mistresses, including the actress Lily Langtree. In January 1901, Victoria died, and Edward succeeded to the throne as Edward VII. He was crowned in August of 1902. He threw himself into his new role with energy, and his reign restored sparkle to a monarchy that had been rather gloomy since his father's death 40 years earlier. Related to most European royalty, he was known as the uncle of Europe. He was able to assist in foreign policy negotiations and his well-received addresses during a state visit to Paris helped give way, pave the way for the Anglo-French Entente Cordiale of 1904. 
Edward was one of the first British monarch to visit Russia. In 1902, he founded the Order of Merit to reward those who distinguished themselves in science, art, or literature. In the last year of his life, Edward was involved in a constitutional crisis brought about by the refusal of the conservative majority in the Lords to pass the liberal budget of 1909. He died on May 6, 1910, before the situation could be resolved, and it was succeeded by his son, who became George V. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Airship Hindenburg at History.com 4-Minute Mile Broken at RunnersWorld.com and King Edward VII Dies at www.bbc.co.uk The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.